0: The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. Awesome. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Zuzu. Thank you. Can we give her a round of applause one more time? Heck yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, good morning, church. Uh, My name is Justin. I have the privilege uh, to serve as one of your pastors here. Welcome to the Burbank location of Story City. Uh, We are so glad that you're here this morning. And if this is your first time, welcome. We're we're so glad that you're here and we hope that you're able to get connected on your way in. And honestly, guys, I just got to say, I love church. I love church. And it's not just that I get to come into a place and get to worship Jesus uh, it's the fact that for a lot of you, you guys are close friends. A lot of you, you guys are like family. And, uh, and we get sent out. You know, every week we say, go be the church. And we get sent out on mission. And then, and then if we hadn't seen each other in the middle of the weeks, we get to come together and just catch up during the minute to mingle and be able to hear the stories. How is your life? And at this church, we are, we're a body of believers. We're a community. We're a family. that get to come together and just do life with one another. And so I love I love church. I, I'm truly glad that all of you are here this morning. Would you do me a favor, and would you just be an, ex, an extension of that gratitude for me? Would you do me a favor and just turn to your neighbor for a moment, and would you just let them know that you're glad that they're here? Yeah, yeah there we go. And don't forget the person on the other side. <laughs> Amen. Hey, first I just want to say I'm sorry to my introverts. I apologize for that. I'll tell you what, I'll start talking for a little bit so that you can just chill and relax. How about that? (laughs) For those of you who are uh, jumping into this mid-series, we have been talking about how God helps us pursue joy, to fight for a heart and attitude of joy by giving us his Holy Spirit and our church family. Last week, uh, Pastor Jared taught us that true joy is found in glorifying God by enjoying him forever. He added true biblical joy is a result of who God is and what he has done. That, That shapes who we are and what we do. As we live out of this flow, we find joy, joy that is lasting and is not circumstantial. If you're following along with me this morning, I'd encourage you to take notes. Whether you you got the handout when you walked in, uh, whether it's on your phone, or you like to write notes on your hand, I don't care. I just encourage you to take some notes. And the first thing that I'd ask for you to write down is this, all is from God and for God. If you don't remember anything else this morning, this is what I want you to remember and walk away with. All is from God and for God. Now, I know that doesn't make total sense right now, so it's a good thing that I have a lot more time in this sermon to help us unpack it. But all is from God and for God. So let me ask you this. Do you want joy in your life? Do you want joy in your life? Do you want your life to be marked by joy? At the end of the day, do you want to rest your head on the pillow and know know that this day had brought joy? Do you want each week, every time of your life, as you catch up with family, with co-workers, as you come together as a gathering, do you want your heart to be one that is overflowing with joy? To know that no matter what circumstance you come against, no matter what life throws at you, that there is joy to be had in that day, for your life is marked by joy. Do you want joy in your life? You see... I'm asking, do you want something? Do you want to hold on to something that has such extreme value that when compared to anything else, it will always be greater? Something that is perspective shifting, and you can never be the same after. If you could have that joy, would you want it? But more importantly, even if you see where I'm going with this morning, maybe you already identified, I got that joy. More importantly than do you want it, the question is, would you fight for it? Would you fight for that joy? See, through Jesus Christ, God reconciled us to himself. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling himself to the the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God demonstrated his love for us in this. That while we are still sinners, he died for us. There is reconciliation through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Friends, joy is found in understanding God sees you. And he loves what he sees that you mean so much to him that he'd humble himself and put on flesh, being born as a child. Experiencing the suffering of this fallen world, that in that suffering he would endure through obedience, being found perfect for our behalf. And then he would be ridiculed, that he would be mocked, rejected, tortured, and murdered. And this high God would do all of this because he loves you. Because he loves you. And he conquered death and rose from the grave so that sin could no longer separate us from his love. That we truly would be reconciled through his act of obedience and love and through Christ make a way into perfect relationship with him now, now and forever. Friends, if you're willing to fight for joy, I'm telling you, you're gonna need to fight for God. I'm not saying fight on his behalf. I mean for you to fight for him in your life. There are going to be so many distractions in this world. There are going to be so many things that the enemy is trying to throw at you and snare you to pervert what happens in this fallen world and, and try and pervert your understanding of it as if you're not valuable to him. He's going to try and, 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 and throw things in your way so that at one point you just get exhausted. You just get tired. And you're saying, God, I know, sure, that you're there, but do you really love me? Because if you love me, then these things, these circumstances wouldn't be coming at you. That's the lie of the enemy. God promises an endurance. God promises a perspective change of joy, even in the midst of chaos. But in order to have this perspective, in order to hold on to this hope, you have to fight. You have to fight in this world to maintain the perspective and to keep our eyes on him. Our eyes are a deceiving bit. In the beginning, in the garden, it was Eve who looked and saw that the fruit was good to eat. Our hearts pulled. For Israel, constantly throughout the Old Testament, it says that they longed to do what their eyes wanted to do. So God gave them over into what they saw was good. To steal some, some language from Pastor Jared, it's not our state to drift towards God. We have to fight. That's right, boy. <laughs> so if you're following along, the first takeaway inside of all is from God and for God is to fight for God. If you want to get a good fight, if you want to get good at fighting, get good at surrendering. I'm going to say that again. If you want to get good at fighting, get good at surrendering. See, in our minds, we think to fight is to to step up, to go after it, to take a stand and charge forward. But I tell you, biblical fighting is one of surrender because we don't have to fight, it's God. God fights on our behalf. So there's a switch here in understanding what it means to fight for God. It switches in understanding of what it means to fight when life is coming at you and when different things are you are experiencing in this world. To fight is to stand firm and surrender to Him. If you want to get good at fighting, get good at surrendering. Get used to saying, not my will but yours. Get comfortable believing I must become less, he must become greater. Surrender yourself to his work. And this is where we jump into our passage for the the day that Zuzu so beautifully read for us. If you're following along, open up to Philippians chapter 2. I'd encourage you to, uh, to bring some Bibles to be able to open up, follow along, highlight, underline, circle, it's okay, you can do that. Or, or open up your phones. If you've got a Bible app, download it, get it going. Highlight, do some stuff in there. Notes in your phone. Get the scripture in front of you and allow God to speak through his word. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, starting in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. <laughs> Take a look at this word obeyed. Underline it. Highlight it. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you've always obeyed. Friends, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you in on a little, little secret. A little secret training regimen, so if you will, to fight for God. If you want to have a Christ-filled joy life, there are two areas that, you're gonna, that are going to be really difficult that you're going to want to train for. The first is faithfully getting into and meditating on Scripture. If you want to fight, if you want to get to a place of understanding to fight is to surrender, faithfully get into and meditate on Scripture. We're the most, I mean, just culturally, we're the most biblically illiterate culture of all time. Uh, I, listen, I understand it, whether it's between work or, or life, that it's hard for even for me to get into scripture, you know, and that's, you know, I get paid to do that. So I I get it. It, It's so easy with a good heart to go, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. And sometimes with a good heart, the things that we desire most are often the things that we let slip because we had the best of intention of getting to. So we have to fight for that time. If you want to start in the process of, getting, of, of, of filling in with Jesus, to get into a point of being filled by, with his joy, start by faithfully getting into and meditating on scripture. And the second of the training regimen is surrender to what it says. Now, I think I can use two words interchangeable here. First is, is surrender to what it says, or trust in what it says. I think both of those can be interchangeable in that space. Maybe God is going to is going to is going to bring up one of those to speak to you a little bit more than the other. surrender to what it says or trust in what it says. Allow the voice of God and his promises to come true in your life. God meets us in the obedience, as we see in verse 12. God meets us in the obedience. When we look at the gospel, who was it? Who who is it that draws us to God in the first place? It's God. Who was it that secures our relationship with him? It's God. Was it not our heavenly father? Well, then how how much more will he give you what it takes to maintain it? if it was him that drew you in the first place, if it's him who secures your relationship with him, how much more true can it be that he's going to give you what it takes to maintain that relationship? It'd be a pretty perverted relationship if God does all the work on the front end. If we could say, God, it was you who saved me. God, it was you who, who, who drew me to you. I am secure in my faith because I know that I'm a broken being. And so I'm secure because you are the one that, that keeps it. But I feel pressure to maintain it. It'd be a pretty perverted relationship. If it is God who keeps it, if it's God who who establishes it, it, it makes sense that God will sustain it. And we see this truth unfold as we continue in our, in our passage for this morning. As it says, as it says, therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working. It is God who is working. Which is weird because it just God said, work out your own salvation. But understand this, it is God who is working in you. It's the work of surrendering. It's the work of trusting. It's the work of abiding that we put ourselves into. But who does the work? Who supplies our daily bread? It is God. It is the Father. It is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work according to his good purposes. Who is it that does the working? You see, it's from him and for him. He works in us. And if we let him, if we surrender... If we obey, he will work in us and transform our will to mirror his will. It says it is, it is God who is working in you both to will and to work. You see, Paul is just, Paul is, is just repeating and helping us understand and reminding us of our Savior's, our Savior's own words. Where, where Jesus says in John 15, abide in me and I in you. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, Jesus's joy, my joy be in you and that your joy may be full. When, when we, as Jesus say, says, abide, when we abide, we experience his joy, not our own. And here lies the secret, my friends, to the to the. Potent uh, joy that is found in Christ alone. We experience his joy. Why is it a joy from the Lord is greater than any other joy? Because God does not muster a joy out of us. Rather, he imparts his joy in us. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That's when we can proclaim these words when we think of the Israelites who, who for so long were, 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 were without the word and without understanding of the knowledge of the will of God, and as God brings them out of exile to, to reestablish their community and, and their nation, and for the first time the Israelites get the law back into their hands, and they begin to see we've gone so far. We have strayed so far. And it says the nation begins to weep and they begin to cry. God, how did we miss it? How did we get so far from you? And the prophets have to, have to come to them and console them. And then they have to remind them, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, left on your own and apart from his word, apart from this community of believers, on our own strength We falter on our own strength. We have a reason to mourn and to weep and to be sad. But we don't live on our own strength. We don't live from our own joy. We live in a place that the joy of the Lord is our strength. In his book, Abide, Andrew Murray talks about the Lord's joy like this. Abiding in in Christ, penetrating into the very depths of his life and heart, seeking for the most perfect oneness. These, the three streams of his joy, flow into our hearts. Whether we look backward and see the work that he has done, or upward and see the reward he has in the Father's love that passes knowledge, or forward in the continual accessions of joy as sinners are brought home. His joy is ours. With our feet on Calvary, our eyes on the Father's countenance, and our hands helping sinners home, we have his joy as our own. My friends, all is from God and for God. So fight for God. It is his joy. His joy. And I love I love how this, how, how Paul tells it to us. I mean, Jesus tells it to us in in John fifteen, when he says that my joy, you will have my joy, and your joy will be full. It will be full because of the superseding joy that is that is God. All is from God and for God. The second into this life of of joy is to fight to remain in Christ if we're going to fight for God we need to fight to remain we need to fight to remain in Christ paul continues through philippians 2 in verse 14 when he says do everything without grumbling and arguing Ooh. Okay, I can understand, like, I'm supposed to have joy in you, okay, but uh, sometimes life's hard. How do I do that without grumbling and arguing? Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are, fa- who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation. Sometimes, do you guys feel like you're surrounded by a crooked and perverted generation? Yeah. Yeah. Same with every other generation that came before you since the fall. It's ignorant of us. It would be ignorant of us if we say it's never been worse than it is right now. We're talking about the fall of man in a world that is in a a fallen state. Not to give too much away, but friends, that's why you're here. That's why Christ came. That's why Christ ascended, that we might be a light into that world. So do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perfect generation. Get this, be grateful in his transformation. If verse 13 says, if it's true what Paul is saying, if it's true that in verse 13 it says, for it is God who is working in you both to will and, and to work, it means that God is transforming us. Okay, using a churchy theological word here, it's it's called sanctification. That when we come and God fills and we become his temple, Jesus begins to do a transformative work in us. If it's true that because of sin there was a fall and that we have been reconciled, that, that God was working through Jesus to reconcile the world, it means that Jesus is reconciling ourselves back into his image. And so it's this work of sanctification. So if it's true that 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 God is doing the work in us both to will and to work and then he says immediately after that do everything without grumbling and arguing. How easy is it for us to want the transformation and then to be mad about how it's changed us. I think back to, like, when I do marriage counseling, and it's like, uh, and to start out in a relationship, they're like, I love that my partner, like, when we walk into a party, I don't feel like I have to be by their side the whole time. They're so confident in themselves that they can just go and make friends, and I don't have to babysit them the whole time. I love that about him, that he can just go. And then five years down the road, we're sitting in marriage counseling, and the same language of every time we go to a party, he never wants to talk to me. He, he goes and he's, and, he, and he's just hanging out with all of his friends, and he ever, it's a perspective shift. It's so easy that the thing that drew us is the same thing that we can begin to grumble and argue about. God is doing a work and a transformative work, both to will and to work in his life. And how easy is it matched immediately with the second verse? It's gonna happen. So do this without grumbling. In fact, do everything without grumbling and arguing. Surrender. God says, I'm going to transform you into my likeness. God, that's hard. I'm going to transform you into my likeness, but I don't want to. I'm going to transform you into my likeness. Now is not a good time. In his book, Ruthless Trust, Brennan Manning says, the foremost quality of a trusting disciple is gratefulness. Uh, If you're taking notes, just write down the word gratefulness. In fact, just to include the entire room, everybody say gratefulness. gratefulness. The foremost quality of a trusting disciple is gratefulness. The antithesis of giving thanks is grumbling. Sit in that for a second. The foremost quality of of a trusting disciple is gratefulness. The antithesis of giving thanks is grumbling. Gratitude arises from, from lived perception, evaluation, and acceptance of all of life as grace, as an undeserved and unearned gift from the Father's hand. Such recognition is itself the work of grace. But here's the hard part. What about the things that we're not actually grateful for? What about the things in my life that are genuine pain? What about the things in my life that have actively hurt me? What about the abuse that I've had to endure? What about my childhood and what was supposed to be a safe upbringing, but I didn't get to experience a safe upbringing? What about broken trust and relationships? What about the disease what about the loss of family and important ones in my life? What about the real things? How are you telling me that I'm supposed to be grateful for these things? That in everything I'm supposed to do this without grumbling or arguing? In, the, in that book, Ruthless Trust, Brendan Manning quotes Henry Nowen when he says, we are only grateful people when we can say thank you to all that has brought us to the present moment. It's hard. It's hard to be grateful amidst the pain. It's hard to be grateful in the midst of injustice. God, what about that time when my heart was all, and my identity was about being a missionary in Liverpool, in the UK, to rise up churches all throughout the UK, and I, I spent thousands of dollars going back to college for that equipping. And raising up a team of 12 other people that would be sent out with me. And I'd be able to go do my job application and plant a church in my second year of college so that by the time I graduated, we had already grown grassroots in Liverpool. But on my way to the airport, three hours away, all of a sudden my, my car just catches fire and blows up and I'm on the side of the road with all of my possessions and belongings and I'm watching not only my beautiful Mustang go up in flames but watching my known future at the time go up in smoke. God is this the enemy? Is this not your will? What a the wrestling in that moment or what about the moment where God had done a faithful work and my first pastoral role with a youth ministry where we got to see uh, starting with junior high kids, we got to see a youth group of 20 kids grow to being over 100 youth kids and, and God started doing something special in our city and transforming the local schools and we were in the schools and many kids that didn't grow up to know Jesus started to come to know his glory and then it, it, it expounded and we grew into a high school group that started with 10 to include and grow up to be over 100 that an entire youth group of just 30 kids now is over 200 kids and God is moving and I'm feeling, God, you have called me home. This is finally my church family. This is the, this is what I have been longing for. I feel on mission. And and not only that, I'm excited because I'm about to get married and, and my life was so grand. And then three weeks before my wedding day, I get called into the pastor's office for them to say, we're going to have to let you go because we we have to make budget cuts. And now I have to call my wife who who is miles away uh, trying to get ready for the wedding and doing all the preparation. And over the phone, I have to tell her three weeks before the wedding, I don't have a job. And as a husband wrestling with, aren't I supposed to be the provider? I don't want to add more stress to a bride on her wedding day. What about the moment when our firstborn child, we lose and in the hospital room, I'm having to hold my firstborn and know that, that I wouldn't be able to see him grow up on this side of heaven. In the moments, even back to standing on the roadside watching my car up in flames, it's in that moment that I was able, that you can rest in that for some reason, God, he thought that I was worth saving. He thought that I was worth dying for so that I could be free and so that I could be with him. And in comparison to what this earth has to offer, what a greater offer is there than in the sole fact that God sees me, he loves me, he endured for me, and that he chose me to be in relationship with him. And not only that, but then on this earth, I got to be used to lead the, the police officer, the highway patrolman that showed up to, to, to help me with my belongings and get me back to college. Three-hour drive in a police car. <laughs> that some, for some, some way, it was like, well, I'm not going to use you on the mission field in Liverpool, but I'm going to use you in the mission field in this, in this trooper's car. And was able to see him led to Christ. And not only in that moment, but then for some reason, just this joy of, I, I'm secure, God loves me, he sees me, that this joy was able to, 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 to come out in the car. And so then Kimberly, who we were just friends at the time, my now wife, we were just friends at the time, and if you know our story, we were like, well, we'll only ever be friends. Uh, she calls her mom, she, you wouldn't believe it, Justin's car blew up on his way to the airport to go to Liverpool, and her mom was like, well, how, how did he react? She's like, I don't know, he's sitting in a Chick-fil-A with all of his belongings and he just told me that he was able to, that that the police officer that picked him up came to know Christ and he's weirdly happy and her mom says, you know, that's the kind of attitude to look for in a husband. Her mom called it. (laughs) Or how about in that church being let go three weeks, the church that was in Arizona, my wedding that was gonna be in California, miles away from my soon-to-be bride my identity as a pastor and what it means to be in church. In that moment he thought I was worth saving. He thought I was worth dying for so that I could be free and so that I could be with him. And that alone my joy is secured. And yet in those in that instance I got a, I got a 3 week head start to go be with my wife, my soon to be wife. Like, well, I don't have to be in the office anymore. I'm going to go to California. I got to see her earlier. I got to help her with the preparations. I gotta spend time with friends and I gotta be put in a position to truly understand that as a future husband, I was never the provider for my family. Only God was the provider. And he did. What about the pain of losing a child? In that moment, he thought I was worth saving. He thought I was worth dying for so that I could be free and so that I could be with him. In that alone, there is joy. And now in this life, I get to counsel with other people who have shared stories, and I get to share my son's story. And I get to allow his legacy to live on in the many couples who need who need to be counseled. And we get one more saint in heaven to worship Jesus and pray with him for us and this world. There is joy. And I'll tell you what, I read this passage and I wrestled with even the words in the book that was a, be you never grateful until you're grateful for everything that brings you to this point. And I read that month a month after losing Liam and fighting with God about that. But here's the perspective shift that I needed. Because at the end of the day, when it comes, it, it all comes from the Lord. See, I have no strength aside from him. If you get to know me, Uh, that well. Danny knows me pretty well. He's in the discipleship group with me. Jared knows me because uh, he's my pastor and he counsels me. If you know anything about me, you really know that I'm a a big wimp. I'm a big crybaby. And I'm actually a pretty fragile human being. But because Christ first endured and had joy, I can too. Because it's his joy that's imparted on me. Think of Jesus. Think of this. The night that Jesus was betrayed the night that 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 took the turn from the moment of his earthly ministry so the moment that he was beginning his ascent to the cross, the night of his betrayal, he went to the upper room with his best friends who he sat side by side with for three years that he imparted everything with. And in that room, he knew that his time on earth was coming to an end. And he knew, in fact, that, the, that there was one in that room and he knew who it was that was going to leave and betray him and send him into the Roman guard for all that was about to happen. He knew the pain he was about to go through, the denial of his best friend Peter, the mocking from his people, the ridicule, the painful torture, the cross, the death. He knew it all. Yet, at this, at this same table, when Jesus institutes communion, the elements that represent all that is about to happen, his body being broken and his blood being shed, he gives thanks The moment that Jesus was confronted with the hardest trial of his life to be rejected into no human physical pain that no other person could bear, to inevitably know that he was going to carry the weight of sin on his shoulders. Looking at his friends, he's able to take the thing that represents the darkest moment in history, the most painful thing in history at his own expense and give thanks. It's in that joy alone. That's a joy that I want to fight for. That's the joy that I want in my life. Jesus, give me the joy to give thanks. Give me the joy to be grateful amidst the chaos and the pain. All is from God and for God. We have to fight to remain in him, and we do that in gratitude. What a love he has that he can not only endure but give thanks. As we continue in Philippians and what Paul is saying, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. Underline and circle that. Among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. By holding firm to the word of life. Then I, Paul, can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing, But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. My friends, if it's true that God was reconciling us to himself and we fight for God, for our hearts to be reconciled and that God is doing a reconciliation in this world, And that we have been given this ministry of reconciliation, that if we are to, if we are to obey, and if we are to step into joy, if we're to step into his his work, his transformation, his sanctification in our life, then we need to be like stars in the night. Go share the gospel. Go share the gospel. I love that God and the gospel can say I see you and I love you. But I know that Christ did not die for me and me alone. That he died for the world and that I am a part of that. And so to be as as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 5, as I have been reconciled, so I have also been given the ministry of reconciliation. To be saved, to have joy is also to give joy. And to bring others into that joy, my friends, this joy is not for us to sit to go to bed at night and just go, Wow, I'm so glad that today was okay. It's to get out into this world in this crooked generation and to give the joy of the Lord, not our joy, His joy. And the only way that that joy comes true is if that we shine like stars in this joy and present the gospel and be put into into communities in vicinity that we can impart this joy with others and have these conversations. Share the joy. Go do life with people. Get out of your Christian bubble and go talk about the joy of Jesus. A light is not bright in a bright room. If you're to walk outside right now with the sun up, maybe it's a little overcast. If you're to walk, you're not going to see a single star. The light cannot shine bright in a bright sky. And so, in that same way, enter into the community and enter into the world. Get out of the bubble that is, I just love being here. It's so bright here. I feel so filled here. That's good, but get out in a space where God's light could shine through you. As Jesus would encourage us, in fact, command us go, be the light of the world. A light does not, it does, not, it does not stand on a hill and have a bowl put over it. Sometimes church can be and feel a lot like that bowl. That's why at the end of these services we end with go, be the church. Enter into the communities. And share the joy of the Lord. Because all is from God and it's for God. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. All is from God and for God. So, maybe Justin, we said a lot this morning. How... How do we walk from this place? What do I go and do? Let us remember that all is from him and for him. Even the bad God uses for good. God is in it. He suffers with us and we get to meet Christ in our suffering. All is from God and all is for God. So if we can do that, if we want to fight, we have to fight for God. Choose to let God do his work. Surrender. And fight to remain in Christ. Choose to be grateful in every circumstance and fight for his kingdom. Go share your joy in the Lord with someone. Justin, what do I do? These are great. No, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, let God do his work in your life. Get into the word and learn to surrender. Get into his word this week. Choose to let God do his work. Choose to be grateful in every circumstance. Let Start this week. Let this week be a week marked by gratefulness. Give thanks and fight for his kingdom. Go share your joy in the Lord with someone. Friends, let me pray for us. I can't think of a better day than for us to receive communion. The thing in which God himself gave thanks even amidst the brokenness. God, help us come to the table with thanks and gratitude. God, as we come up to receive the elements during this next song, help us come to you with a heart of gratitude. Wherever it is that that we are in our walk and our journey with you, Whether there's doubts, whether there's concerns, whether there's trust, may now be a worshipful moment of gratitude. Help us surrender to your work in the elements. Help us remain and abide in the elements. God, help us receive your light that we might be sent out from the elements. Move and speak to us now, Lord. We rest in you. All is from you and all is for you. In the name of Jesus, amen.